Praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Fields here, and it is Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday is the day that we come together, go into the word of the Lord, and I'm so grateful another opportunity to share with you, to fellowship with you. I thank God for his goodness and his mercy, his grace, his patience. The Lord is good to us. The Lord has blessed us tremendously just to be able to be here just another day. We thank God for it. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we come to you now thanking you for all that you do, for all that you are to us. We ask that you would bless us on tonight as we go into your word. Bless this fellowship. Touch someone's heart and mind. Bless someone's soul tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me, we thank the Lord once again for bringing us together on today, uh, and we honor him always, and to the saints of God there uh, in the Bronx, in Refuge Temple Annex, and here, of course, uh, the Greater Refuge Temple of Washington, D.C., thank God for you both, and to all of you who connect with us week by week as we come together in the Word of God. As you know, we have been in the series uh, talking about salvation, and we've been enjoying ourselves, and uh, this lesson will be the last installment on this series, uh, but you know we'll come back to it. Uh, I plan to come back to holiness and to some other subjects that we've dealt with in the past, uh, and I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, now, tonight we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and yes, finally, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll get into, uh, we'll get to Acts 2.38, um, and I thank the Lord uh, for his word always. Tonight's lesson in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, and I'll be dealing with verses 14 through 38. Uh, and the subject, salvation, uh, a response to the gospel. Uh, and we understand uh, the salvation of God is, was needed, necessary, uh, in order for us to, to be with the Lord. He had to have a plan of salvation, being saved, set apart from the world unto the Lord. Uh, the purpose to be with him forever. Uh, a reconciliation with God. And the gospel, hallelujah, that avenue, that segue, that tool, the word of God would be used to compel men and women uh, to pierce their hearts and their conscience, uh, to turn them away. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation. Um, so, the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Lord uh, had chosen 12 uh, to spearhead or uh, as a foundation of the new church, a church of born-again believers, uh, a church of those who would worship him in spirit and in truth, a uh, church, the foreshadow of which would be prophesied in the Old Testament, uh, now, he says that I would send you a comforter, uh, came in the likeness of sinful flesh, 
dwelt among us. He died and rose again for our justification. On the third day he rose. Forty days after, hallelujah, he would ascend on into glory. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one place, one accord, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost fell. Yes, cloves of fire fell upon them, and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave them the utterance. You remember that scripture? Yes, and there were those uh, from all over the land uh, who had come into the city, who heard them in the upper room. Cappadocians, uh, there were Greeks and Persians. They were coming from all over, and they heard them speaking in their language. And you know the story. Uh, some of them were ridiculing and saying, these must be drunk with uh, some new wine. And it was Peter uh, who walks to the window or to the door, and he speaks out and says, these are not drunk as you suppose. But this was that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. Uh, the last days I will pour out my spirit. And he begins to preach the word of God. He preaches a message to them. There were 120 in the upper room. But there was so much more, so many more people outside of the house that needed to hear the word of God. They heard them speaking in their language, proclaiming the word right? Um, it was a sign to the unbeliever that Christ had entered into their life. And so um, here is Peter now preaching the word of God. He preaches a message. And listen to these words. I'm going to read it for you. Acts second chapter, verses 14 through 38. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, letting them know the bars aren't even open yet. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the Lord, on the name of the Lord, I'm sorry, shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. As you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. 
For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I shall not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he was both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither corruption. Hallelujah. Neither his flesh, rather, did he see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, now, when they heard this, what did they hear? They heard a sermon. A word of God was brought forth. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And verse 37 says, now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, what do we have to do now to be saved? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Salvation, a response to the gospel. It's been rightly said, of course, that... Um, Peter's pronouncement on the day of Pentecost uh, for you ministers or preachers or those who expound on the word of God, when you read the text, when you read what I just read, that sermon there, it was homiletically sound and correct as well as doctrinally sound. Uh, and his theme needed, uh, it needed skillful development. He needed to, to exegete uh, or apologetically which means he had to defend what they were doing and what was happening. It was a move of God. The promise of God was being fulfilled. Hallelujah. And before getting to the heart of his subject, it was necessary uh, for him to adjust to the excited minds of the people. There was excitement. There were questions. What is going on? People were wondering because they heard these strangers, and some of them were known to be, they were considered unlearned. How did they know how to speak in this language, in my language? Uh, so he had to adjust 
to the excitement of the people to whom he was giving this message. And um, this helps all of us who expound or teach or preach the gospel uh, to, to begin to notice that Peter's sermon, uh, we can pull it apart in three parts. Uh, there was an introduction, there was a development, and there was an application. Introduction, development, application. Now, e and each of these parts of his message carries a, uh, a pronoun for his title, right? Uh, verse 16 explains that Acts 2 and 16, listen, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. So each of these three parts, uh, the introductions is, is explained. What's happening is what Joel told us would happen. Uh, in his development, uh, he proclaims him. Verse 23, let's go down to verse 23, Acts 2 and 23. It says, uh, him believing, delivered by the determinate counsel and full knowledge of God, ye have taken. The him that he's talking about is Jesus. You have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain so he goes from the introduction this is that which the prophet joel has spoke of uh, and then he starts developing uh, this is all about him jesus christ whom you took and crucified on the cross hallelujah and the application uh, it concerns you and i so the introduction uh, is the prophecy is being fulfilled this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. His development speaks of him, the Savior. This is all about Jesus and what he promised he would do. And the application concerns you and I. Hallelujah. Uh, that's, let's go to verse 36, Acts 2. And 36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here then is a model, a gospel address. Hallelujah. The word of God is being preached on the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts uh, is the textbook on gospel preaching. And just to give you a few statistics there out. Uh, there are 22 sermons in the book of Acts. Nine preached by Peter. Nine preached by Paul. Uh, one preached by Stephen. One preached by Philip and James. One preached by Ananias. Uh, but this is Peter preaching the word of God on the day of Pentecost while they were speaking in tongues. Uh, he stops speaking in tongues and walks to look outside of the room. Hallelujah. And he starts preaching the word of God. And here is the method uh, that he had adopted uh, because some down-to-earth instruction was needed. Hallelujah. They were up in heavenly places speaking in tongues. Uh, but, and here is another a lesson for us to learn those who are preaching and teaching, we can't be so uplifted and, and up caught up in the spirit until we forget that we have to elaborate or properly disseminate 
or explain the word of God. What is the message? What is happening? What do we need to hear? What do we need to know? Hallelujah. And, and there is instruction that, hallelujah, the saints and those who have not received Christ need to hear. Hallelujah. There are five important things that we need to notice about the preaching that Peter is doing. Hallelujah. The preaching uh, that Peter is doing. It is He was short and to the point. That's the first thing. His speech was vital. It was urgent. Uh, and he didn't mince words. There were no unnecessary words. He wasn't trying to impress anyone. He was trying to reach the hearts and the minds of the people that he was delivering the gospel to. There was no pointless repetition. Uh, hallelujah. He's talking to their minds. Uh, he's giving instruction. He's pulling at their heartstrings. He's, he is producing, yes, enthusiasm. For who? Christ Jesus. Uh, wanted them to know that he died just for you. Um, he's appealing to their conscience. Uh, and he's looking for a result, right? What is the result of the word of God? What are we looking for? Hallelujah. I was taught as a young minister, you don't preach to make people shout. Hallelujah. You preach so you can help them come to a decision, whether it's to stay with God, hold on, or whether it's to receive him as their personal savior. So uh, the result that Peter was looking for was conviction and to do the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to make a decision. And to make a decision. So it was to the point, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, and my speech, this is Paul talking, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The second thing about the message that Peter preaches, he's preaching the gospel. It was simple, plain, and it was clear. Hallelujah. All in the congregation could understand exactly what he was saying. Because although he was proclaiming the good news, it was a new message. Many of them, many of them never heard this before. It was their first time. It was a new message of the gospel. It was against the historical background, uh, which his hearers would be familiar with. They had never heard this. It was against their tradition. What is this? What is happening? Uh, it was a case of the masses of people hearing Peter, and the Bible says they heard him gladly. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 12, verse 37. David therefore himself calleth him Lord, and whence is he then his son? Hallelujah. Matthew 12 and 37. And the rest of that verse says, and the common people heard him gladly. The common people. Hallelujah. They weren't the, hallelujah, considered the higher echelon. Uh, he had to bring the word to them so they could understand it. He wasn't talking above their head. Hallelujah. But he made sure that he broke the word down so they could understand they were common people. Hallelujah. Isn't it something that no matter where we are in life, the gospel can reach you? 
Yes, he can reach you with a PhD and he can reach you. That All I have is an eighth grade education, but the word of God will meet you wherever you are. And here is Peter talking in the Bible says, and the common people heard him gladly, which means they understood what he was saying. They understood what was being uh, brought to them and it made them glad. I could understand this. Hallelujah. He was able to reach them. And if we're going to preach and teach, we have to do it in such a way where we are reaching the people where they are. So Peter spoke with great simplicity. I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians 3 and 12. And then uh, not only did he speak with simplicity, but he also spoke clearly, loudly also, so everyone can hear. He didn't have a microphone. He had to project his voice. Second um, Corinthians 3 and 12, seeing, that, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Take you down to verse 14, but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So he made it clear. And when you preach the word of God, hallelujah, in such a way, and you, un you make it clear, you explain it so people could understand, the veils can come off of their eyes. They have an understanding now. This is what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. Also, when you pull apart his message, I can remember now when we were in Bible study, when we were in sermon prep and we took uh, homiletics, uh, each of us in the class had to take turns preaching in class. And after we got through preaching, the rest of the preachers in the class would pull the sermon apart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, uh, some folks got mad, but it was needful. Hallelujah. We didn't want to repeat. Uh, wanted to make sense. We wanted to be able to properly explain. And this is what Peter did. And notice he didn't, uh, the Bible doesn't say he attended any seminary. The word of God was just broken down in such a way where the people heard him. And it brought them to a place of conviction and they made a decision. His message was instructive and informative. His preaching was not merely emotional. Hallelujah. And actually, there's no such thing mentioned in the New Testament where our preaching has to be 100% emotional. In the New Testament, the appeal of the gospel is always an appeal to an individual's mind and their heart, their conscience, and their will. Right? Isaiah 118. Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The great need today, I believe, the great need today really is, is not just for evangelism, but a lot of teaching. Hallelujah. A lot of teaching. Uh, now, listen, and I'm not talking against preaching. I love preaching, especially the word of God says that it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching 
save them that are lost. Yes, so preaching is necessary, uh, but we need to do a lot of teaching and instructing. Uh, this is true because God commands it. Yes, he does. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not, listen, to teach and preach. So we have to do both. We have to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I'll read it again. Acts 5 and 42. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And there is a need today, especially in these last and evil days, to make sure that the truth is continuously being put out there, not just in the preaching, but also in the teaching. There is a need, an urgent need for the truth to continuously be pushed out there. The truth, the truth and nothing but the truth. 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Hallelujah. So it has to be put out there. Yes, put out there. And Paul says the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit because unto the natural man is foolishness and he can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. So they have to be taught. They have to sit down and hear and it has to be broken down. And Everything that Peter was saying was scriptural. He wasn't just saying it to be saying it, but it was scriptural. Uh, listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And Peter certainly did this here uh, as he disseminated the word of God. He spoke the word of God. Many words in his sermon are quoted, were quoted from the Old Testament preaching. Hallelujah. His sermon was full of prophet, prophetic word. Uh, it was co a convincing method of preaching to show that everything that he was saying was being fulfilled in real time. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Hallelujah. Notice that Peter's preaching was in its in its right dispensational context and setting. Hallelujah. He was he was familiar with his uh with the times he was living in. He was familiar with what was going on. He was in touch. He was not just saying it to be saying it, but he was in touch uh with where he was what was going on around him. Uh, and, and he was not expecting the conversion of the world or the kingdom of God to come on earth right now. Hallelujah. But he was concerned about the calling out of the church, the pulling out of the church, the saving of souls. God wants to gather his church together. Hallelujah. You need to be saved. In order, and the only way to be in this church, you have to be born in it. So he was reaching 
and preaching in order to gather souls because Jesus, he knew the Lord is coming. Hallelujah. He might not come today or he may. So you better hurry up. And that's how he, he was preaching and teaching with urgency. Hallelujah. I don't, I, I don't expect the whole world because I'm not talking to the whole world right now, but I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. And I'm praying that when I'm through talking to you, that you'll make a decision. Hallelujah. To be a part of this church triumphant. Hallelujah. To be a part of the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 15, verses 13 through 18. And after they had held their peace, James answering, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people, to take out of them a people for his name and to disagree the words of the prophets as it is written after this i will return and will build again the tabernacle of david which is fallen down and i will build again the ruins thereof and i will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the lord and all the gentiles upon whom my name is called save the lord who doeth all these things known unto god are all his works from the beginning of the world hallelujah so he wanted them to know hallelujah there's going to be a calling out of the church to be a bride of christ hallelujah my god and the message that he preached on the day of pentecost it was bold it was fearless and he made no apologies hallelujah this is what the lord wants you to know so he was bold he was fearless hallelujah he didn't worry about who would reject him. I'm more concerned about those who will receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he does it without apology. This, this was a distinctive characteristic of a New Testament preacher. Hallelujah. To do it boldly, fearlessly, and without apology. Yes. Uh, and as a result, of course, he received the results that he would promise or he would experience the promise let, let let's explain it further uh simply by going into the word of god acts chapter one acts chapter one verse number eight some of you can quote it while i'm reading it but ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem and in all judea and in Samaria. Hallelujah. So let's go now because this is what the promise was. This is what Jesus said. But now if you go to Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Let's go there. Then the priest of Jupiter which was before their city brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Hmm. Let's dig deeper. I'm going to bring you all the way down. I'm going to skip down all the way down to verse 29, and then I'll share something with you. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Hallelujah. So he's speaking with boldness, and he's speaking 
now, and this is after Pentecost, uh, Peter, uh, the apostle, is speaking to those who were totally out of sorts. And by that I mean they were, they were totally opposite of They were living according to other doctrines and, and rituals. They were serving demons and statues. But he stood boldly and preached the word. Because the promise was, you shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come. Hallelujah. So the message, let's get into the message even more. Uh, this is clearly stated here in verse 36, the message. The message. All the house of Israel. Hallelujah. I want you to know assuredly that God have made that same Jesus whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. He's the Messiah. He is both Lord, he is our head, he is the, and Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He is the one. Hallelujah. Lord and Christ. So he didn't preach religion. Hallelujah. He's not preaching any kind of system or creed. He's simply preaching, hallelujah, a living person. Hallelujah. He preached Jesus, hallelujah, the son of a living God and the work which he accomplished for guilty men and women. He preached the mighty acts of God, what God had done through his son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation of men and women. He preached Jesus, hallelujah. I think we need to make sure we preach Jesus, not politics, not current events, hallelujah not what the latest gossip is. We need to stick with Jesus. Preach Jesus. Talk about Jesus. He, he preached about his incarnation. Let's go to Acts 2 and 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also no so jesus of nazareth jesus of nazareth he said he was a man hallelujah but he was also god he was a god man the man who was accredited by god came in the likeness of sinful flesh in the beginning was his word but his word was made flesh and dwelt among us hallelujah so when he says all of this he is accrediting him, and it's a phrase that indicates not only his humaneness, but his deity. He says he was approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. He would preach his crucifixion, verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain him. You murdered him. Hallelujah. You murdered my Lord. You crucify him. Hallelujah. And he's declaring not only his sovereignty and, and human responsibility. Hallelujah. And which tells us that the Lord was born to die. He was born to die. He came here to die for our sins. 1 Peter 3 and 8, giving you a lot of scripture tonight. 
For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So, preacher's incarnation, all of this in this in this short message, his incarnation, his crucifixion, and I can't talk about his being murdered without him being risen from the dead. Not only was he crucified, but he got up. Hallelujah. Verse 24 and 32. Acts 2 and 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Hallelujah. He got up and he lets them know it wasn't possible for the grave to keep him down there. Hallelujah. Let's go down to verse 32. Verse 32 says, This Jesus have God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. My God. So Peter showed that this was prophesied all in the Old Testament. What, you, what we are seeing now, what has happened now, it was talked about in the Old Testament. He says all of this in his message, verses 25. Hallelujah, verses 25 through 28. Acts 2, 25 through 28 says these words. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thou, with thy, I'm sorry, countenance. And this was always the great emphasis of apostolic teaching and preaching. Hallelujah. Now, um, some some get upset when I use the term apostolic, and I heard a brother uh, the other day who was blasting us, uh, saying that uh, apostolic is another religion. You get people just take one word and they develop a religion. And I want to I want to make this correction. When I say apostolic, or if I say I'm apostolic or we are apostolic, that is not a religion. Hallelujah. That's not a religion. When I say apostolic, it simply means we follow the teachings of the apostles. That's it. Hallelujah. That's it. We are following the teachings of the apostles. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. So you all who heard that and who are watching Certain people criticize and say that's another religion. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It simply means that we are following the teachings of the apostles. And what did they teach? Baptism in Jesus' name. You must be born again. All of the things that Jesus taught and trained them, they carried it and continued. And the church was to continue in the apostles' doctrine. Holly, this is why we baptize in Jesus' name. This is why we believe, hallelujah, in the remission of sins and baptism, being filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. We are following the apostles' teaching. Hallelujah. So this was always a great emphasis 
apostolic teaching and preaching. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalms number 16, verses 8 through 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory Rejoiceth my flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Let's compare that to Acts chapter 17, verse 18. Now here is Peter. This is Peter, and he is in Athens. And in Athens, it was affluent with philosophies and teachings, uh, new social orders based on Greek mythology. Hallelujah. There were new sociologists walking around teaching what they thought was uh, should be taught. Hallelujah. The rudiments of the world. Hallelujah. There were great thinkers uh, during this time. And listen to what is written in the book of Acts. Uh, 17 and 18, certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics. I don't have time to break down each one. Hallelujah. But Athens was a rough town. It was highly intellectual. Hallelujah. There were a whole lot of new philosophies floating around. Even Paul had to tell the Colossian church, don't let anyone spoil you with vain philosophies and teachings. He said there were certain philo uh, philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? <laughs> what will this tongue talker say? He had a reputation now. This fella speaks in tongues. He got that holy stuff in him. You know, word is circulating. He seemeth to be a set of forth of strange gods, right? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. <laughs> he preached the gospel and he's preaching to philosophers, right? He's preaching to uh, those who had all of these different ideas and some said, what is this babbler going to come up in here and tell us? Others, you know, and he seemeth to be a set of forth of strange gods. We never heard this stuff before. And he's preached Jesus. He preached Jesus and the resurrection. Hallelujah. He also preached his ascension. This is what he implies in verse 33 of the book of Acts chapter 2. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted... And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he have shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Remember, he's preaching to those who are hearing them speaking in tongues. And he says, God has ascended. He, God has exalted and have been received of the Father, right? Remember, he's sitting down now on the right hand of the Father. The promise has come. The day of Pentecost has come. This is that which the prophet Joel have spoken of. This is the promise. And later on, he would say, this promise is unto you and your children. This is the promise. Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he have shed forth this which ye now see and hear. 
Hallelujah. I thank God for his word. So, he's preaching his ascension. And let's go and compare this now to John, the gospel according to John, verse uh, chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. So this is after the resurrection. He had not ascended yet, and he's making one of his appearances. And he says, Don't touch me yet, because I haven't ascended yet. Hallelujah, to present myself to the Father. But I'm going up there. Hallelujah. To check in. And when I'm finished checking in, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost in power. Acts 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things which they beheld, he was taken up, received, and I'm sorry, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I'm getting excited. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up in heaven? This same Jesus, <laughs> which is taken up from you into heaven, shall also come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Remember that song? Jesus ascended up to heaven, but he's coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back just like he said he would. Hallelujah. He's coming back. Put that in the comment section. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. That's why you have to have the Holy Ghost. That's why you need the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside. That same spirit that rose him from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up, on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Mm -hmm. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Lord, I love your word. So he preached Peter in this very short message, he has preached and talked about the Lord's incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, and he also deals with his exaltation. My God, let's go back to verse 33, Acts 2 and 33. It says, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath Shed forth this which ye now see and hear. But let's go to verse 36. Hallelujah. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So, what a triumphant conclusion. Hallelujah. This was to a great message. He had come to his conclusion now. He was winding down. No microphone, no organ playing behind him, no hacking, no hooping. He just laid it out. He had to speak loud, of course. 
He had to stir their minds. Hallelujah. It was a powerful message. You know it was powerful. 3,000. 3,000 were brought into the church. What a triumphant conclusion to a great message. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God that we have a word concerning a living and glorious Lord. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7. Lord, I'm getting excited. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. We were there last week, remember? Therefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Who is him? Jesus. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's not dead, he's alive, and he's living on the inside. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So there was a response now to what Peter had laid out. There was a response to the message. And remember, the setting is the day of Pentecost. What's going on? There are people there who have been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives the utterance. Hallelujah. So there is a response now to the message that he has preached. And we see this in verses 37 through 41. Acts 2, 37 through 41. Now when they heard this. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, read it with me. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do now? This is the application. Hallelujah. After you hear the word, you got to do something. After you hear the word, you have to do something. After you hear the word, you have to do something. He said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked that. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. Salvation the response to the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, it's a promise. It's a promise. Salvation is a promise. For the promise is unto you and your children. I'm getting excited. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord your God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. In other words, if the person next to you, after hearing the word, they don't want to be saved, save yourself. In other words, if the people around you after hearing the word of God don't want to give their life to Christ, save yourself. What's your response? You heard the word. What are you going to do now? <laughs> yes. After many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word. What did they do? Bible says they were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 
souls. They were baptized. And I know there's an argument out there, and I don't have time to argue with you. Baptism isn't necessary. Well, if it wasn't necessary, they would not have baptized them. If it wasn't necessary, Jesus himself would not have been baptized. Hallelujah. But Jesus himself allowed John the Baptist to put him down in water. Hallelujah. Jesus himself allowed John the Baptist, hallelujah, to baptize him unto repentance. No, he didn't need to repent, but he did it as an example to you and I. Hallelujah. And I want to I want to read to you what Paul wrote to the book of, uh, to the Roman church. I'm sorry, Romans 6, and I'll begin at verse 1. This is what Paul says. He says, what shall we say then? Hallelujah. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid he, how shall we rather that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, and when we are baptized, this is why Peter said, baptized in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. So baptism, you're burying the old man. You're burying him. You're burying him. You're burying the old man by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. So baptism, hallelujah, is pantomime to a burial. You are burying yourself. Hallelujah. This is why we do not sprinkle when we baptize. Hallelujah. We do not sprinkle. Have you ever seen anyone get buried and the undertaker just sprinkles them with dirt and leaves them in the cemetery? No. Have you ever walked through a cemetery and seen, seen hands and feet sticking out of the ground? No. That means they were not totally buried. Buried with him. Buried. So baptism, we bury you. You are buried in him. Hallelujah. We bury you. We don't sprinkle because that's not burial. That's mess. That's just getting you a little wet. Hallelujah. We bury you. You are therefore, you are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when you come up out of the water symbolizes that you are coming up out of the old stuff and you're on your way to the newness of life. That's what the word says. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve Sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. 
So when they heard, they were baptized. Hallelujah. They were baptized. So baptized, you have to be baptized. He that is born of the water or of the spirit, unless you were born of the water and the spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you were born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So when they heard the word, their response was, their action was, their application was, they were baptized. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Hallelujah. Peter preached, preached a powerful message. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they heard them, it cut their heart. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, now when they heard this, verse 37, chapter 2 of the book of Acts, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And immediately he told them, you got to repent. Hallelujah. You got to repent of your sin. Identify yourselves with the Lord Jesus. My God. Open up your heart to him. Make a commitment to him. Receive forgiveness of your sins. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'll read it again. Verse 38 to 40. Peter said to them, repent, be baptized. Everybody, every one of you, everybody, be baptized. How? How? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. About 3,000 people were converted. 3,000 people and declared their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ and they were baptized how? In Jesus' name. Do you still need to be baptized in Jesus' name now? Yes. Now here's another argument because people will argue with me and say they have to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I, Lord bless his soul, my father died uh, a year ago father was who he was to me but his name was George I am my father's son son is who I am to my father I'm his son my father had two sons and if my father whose name is George walked through the house and said to the top of his lung son son both me and my brother would have got up at the same time or cried out at the same time, yes, yes, dad, because son is not my name. Now, if he said Michael, I would have said, yes, dad. If he said Brett, my brother would have said, yes, dad. So son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. It's a title. Hallelujah. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the name, the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name, Father in creation. I wish I had the time to dig into it. I don't want to hold you too long. Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Ghost in the church. He's the Holy Ghost 
in the church. He is the Holy Ghost in the church. Hallelujah. So they entered into this fellowship. Let's read 41 through 47. Verses 41 through 47. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And listen. And they continued steadfastly. I'm apostolic. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's not a religion. It's following the teachings and the way that it was taught and brought. Yes, it's a new day. Yes, this is the 21st century, but the word of God never changes. If you had to be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in the first century, it's the same in the 21st century. They continued steadfastly. How? In Catholicism? No. Baptism, Baptist, Catholic, all that stuff came after. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. I know I might get some letters. It's okay. You can fuss at me if you want, but the word of God is there. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So there was repentance. They received the word, and there was repentance and remission of sin. And I need to say this before I close out. The only grounds upon which God will accept a sinner is through repentance. Repentance. Repentance from the heart of sin. Hallelujah. Repentance from the heart for the sin that he has committed. The only grounds that God will accept you is through repentance. Hallelujah. Psalms 51 and 17, right? Remember these words are broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. I'll read it for you. Psalms number 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and... I'm sorry, let me start again. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. So when John came on the scene, and this is a little bit of our Sunday school lesson that we were in last week. When John came on the scene, John the Baptist, right? He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So John preached repentance. Jesus also proclaimed repentance before his ascension. Before his ascension, hallelujah, he commanded that repentance and remission of sin should be preached how? In his name. Beginning in Jerusalem. You don't believe it? Let's go to the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 24. I'll read verses 45 I'm sorry, through 48. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. This is Jesus talking. And said unto them, thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name 
among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So, Peter, John preached it. Jesus preached repentance. Mm -hmm. And Peter fulfilled this command on the day of Pentecost. I'm going to say it again. Peter fulfilled the command, and I won't read it all because it's almost time to go, but Peter fulfills the command on the day of Pentecost because he's preaching the gospel, but when they asked the question, when it was ready for action or the application of what he was talking about, what are you going to do now? And they said, what, what do we do? He says, repent, be baptized Every one of y'all, all y'all, everybody that heard the word, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, all y'all need to be saved. Be baptized, repent, be baptized, repent, be baptized, repent, be baptized. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I've read through it all already. But when you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, that whole sermon is there, verses 14 through 39. Hallelujah. Peter laid it out. He didn't talk two or three hours. Nope. He didn't, he didn't try to, to make them jump and, and skip. He gave them the gospel, and he stirred their hearts and minds, and their reaction, their response was to give their life to the Lord. Talking about salvation. Hallelujah. So, what is God's standard of salvation? Um, and I'm going to close here. What is God's standard of salvation? Because you hear so many things today. Just shake the preacher's hand. Just repeat after me. Uh, and they twist scriptures. Uh, take scriptures out of context. And, and, you know, to make people feel comfortable. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not a preacher killer. I'm, I don't want to come after anyone. I'm, it's, the Lord told me just to preach his word. That's it. Uh, but this is, this is straight word, not my opinion, not what I think. Not, I'm not trying to, to ease anything or make anyone feel comfortable. Just straight word. In the word of God, we find God's standard of salvation to be nothing short of a Holy Spirit-filled life with signs following them, just like on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I'm going to give you scripture. I'm not my opinion. In the word of God, we find his standard of salvation to be nothing short of a Holy Ghost, a Holy Spirit-filled life with signs following it, just like on the day of Pentecost. Mark chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. This is Jesus talking. He that believeth and is baptized. He that believeth and is baptized. I'm in Mark chapter 16. I'll read verses 16 through 18. This is Jesus talking. He that believeth and is baptized 
shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So baptism is essential. He, unless except a man be born of the water and the spirit. This is Jesus talking. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's not my opinion. It's not some newfangled theology or, nope, just straightforward word. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Hallelujah. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. These are the signs. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit has dwelled. This is a sign, hallelujah, that you have received his salvation. The power, you shall have power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come, ye shall have power. He says to them, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. To every creature and he that believes this gospel and is baptized he will be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They'll even take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Acts 2 and 4, hallelujah. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How do we know? Because they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not my opinion, it's God's word. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Verses 14 through 17, now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, the gospel is being preached in Samaria, he told them to be, I'm going to make you witnesses, hallelujah, here in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and other parts of the world, the apostles are hearing now that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached in Samaria, and they expect it now to see some results because after the gospel is given out, salvation is here. They heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now you heard the word. I want you to be saved. Hallelujah. I want, I want the word to take root in you, and I want salvation for you. So they laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized. Only they were baptized. So no, it's true. Baptism alone won't save you. Hallelujah. But it's part of the plan. Yes. And you say, okay. They have been baptized only, but they have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They have been baptized, but they had not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when the question was asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? We heard the word. In other words, what do we have to do for this salvation? Repent. 
Be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, for the remission, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. They were only baptized, but the Holy Ghost had not filled them yet. They were only baptized how? in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. <laughs> when Simon saw that through laying on of the hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was given, he started offering them money. But you can't buy this Holy Spirit. You can't buy salvation. No, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe sin had left his crimson stain, but he washes whiter than snow. Lord, I feel like getting up out of this chair and running because I thank God for my salvation. I'm happy about my salvation. Hallelujah. Having the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside. My Lord, let's go. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Verses 17 and 18. And when and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on them said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, have sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight. I don't just want to open up your eyes naturally. I don't just want to give you bodily healing but I want you to be saved. I want to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and be filled, he says, with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales and he received sight for with and arose. This is Paul now, right? He arose and was baptized. Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 10. Verses 44 through 48, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcisions which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know? How did they know? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Paul, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Except the man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So in one scripture, they have been baptized, but they had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet. But in this scripture, hallelujah, they got the Holy Ghost, but they had not been baptized yet. And the apostles knew, well, the Lord said, this is his plan, the standard of salvation, repentance, baptism, re receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? How did they know? I read it in verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Hallelujah. I'm not here to fight, but this is the word of God. Acts chapter 19. It's because some people say, well, they all, I only see it in Acts 2.38. Listen, I'm showing you Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, 
Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Since ye believed, you believed. But have you, are you saved? Do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Holy Ghost? And now listen, you have, because today everybody's saying, I'm saved, I'm saved. You look at, you look at the um, shows on TV, right? All of these shows you like, and you'll hear them just after they finish cursing and carrying on, I'm saved. I'm not, I'm saved, right? All of these popular shows, right? And somebody should ask them, well, do you have the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, we have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, oh, I got John's baptism. Then said Paul, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, when they heard this, when they heard this, they were baptized, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, my God, the Holy Ghost came on them. How do you know? It says it right here. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Romans. Let's take a look at this now. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect gift of the will of God. Hebrews 12 and 14. Hallelujah. I want to read that for you. Thank you, Jesus. Give me one second. Hebrews 12. If we was doing this in the temple, I'd ask one of y'all to read. Hebrews 12 and 14 says these words. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12. Sometimes even. Uh, Got to do it the old fashioned way because some, you know, sometimes electronics don't want to cooperate. I'm pressing Hebrews, uh, but it keeps bringing me to Romans. So let's just take our time because I, I want you to get this Hebrews 12. And the 14th verse, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I'm reading these words because it's, it's, it's salvation, yes. But even after you receive salvation, then now you have the power to walk in holiness. You cannot live holy without salvation. 
Listen, let me tell you, because we're still in our flesh, you're still going to have a, a war. But now, because you have power living on the inside, you have power even over your flesh. Matthew 5 and 48. Matthew 5 and 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, so we can understand, and I hope it works for me this time, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Okay, it's still not working right for me. So, Lord, help me. All right, Matthew 5 and 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, the Bible tells us that we should strive for perfection. And the only way to strive is with the power of God abiding on the inside. The only way to reach that perfection or to achieve this perfection. And, don't, and we don't say perfection uh, as you would describe or define it. Hallelujah. Our completion, our perfection is in Christ. And the only one that can lead us to Christ is Christ. The only one that can lead us to Christ is Christ. They who are the sons of God, or they that are led by his spirit, they are the sons of God. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you was holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So let's tie it in. Because you can't live in holiness without salvation. It is, it, is an, it is impossible. It is impossible. So holiness is not in your dress. It is not in your outfit. Uh, you have to achieve it through Christ, having the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside. It is impossible for me to live holy in my flesh. So I have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and to place me in the place of holiness. Hallelujah. Holiness, remember, and we've taught a whole series on holiness. Holiness begins on the inside, not on the outside. And it is impossible to come into that place of perfection as the Father is perfect without having him abiding on the inside. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. But I, I, I feel like preaching now. I'm going to stop there, and I thank God for salvation. I'm going to come back to it just like I'm going to come back to holiness. These are, these are subjects that we need to stick with and continue to visit. Hallelujah. There's so many things fighting against the truth, but the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I thank God for you, and I want to pray for you tonight. Hallelujah. If you don't know him in the pardon of your sin, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know that he died and rose again just for you. He shed his blood just for you. And you can be saved. Hallelujah. Believe him and be baptized in his name, the name of the Lord Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost.
and I dare say to us that have already received him, I want you to ask him to do it all over again. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Blot out my transgressions and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Repent, every one of you, and be converted. For the days of refreshing have come. Hallelujah. I want God to fill me all over again. I want to feel his power like I felt it the first day I believed and received it. Father, we thank you for the souls that are seeking you. And I pray, O oh God, that they would make a decision to give their lives to you. And those who have already received will tighten their grip and have the courage to say, Lord, fill me all over again. Fill my cup and let it overflow. Touch us, Lord, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, those in your family who have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, put their names in the comment section. We want to establish an electronic prayer line. Yes. And you want the Lord to touch you and fill you all over again? You may be a backslider. Yes. Now, you don't have to tell me all your business. Just put your name down there. Say, Lord, just say, Lord, do it again. I'm believing God for a refreshing, a renewing, an outpour. I'm believing God for the salvation of your unsaved loved ones. Put your names there. Put their names there. And if you want me to lay their names on the altar, even send me that request. Admin at grtdc.org. You want to plant a seed in this ministry? You want to give an offering or pay your tithes? You may do so. The technician will put that on the bottom of the screen. Follow those instructions, won't you? And those of you at the Annex in the Bronx, you may use Givelify. The Lord bless you. Now, this week uh, is the Mid-Atlantic Diocese meeting. Uh, well, we, it's really a fall conference. We called it winter conference. Uh, but on the 5th and the 6th, uh, this week, this Friday and Saturday, the Mid-Atlantic Diocese, the Lord has given me the honor and the privilege, uh, Lady Fields and I, to be the Bishop and Lady of the Diocese, and uh, we will be having our Diocese meeting the 5th and the 6th, and I um, want you to look out for it. Uh, Morning Glory will start at 9 o'clock, you'll see on Facebook. Uh, and on YouTube, Mid-Atlantic Diocese, Cool JC. Uh, Mid-Atlantic Diocese, Churches of Our Lord Jesus Christ, on Facebook and on YouTube, Morning Glory Speakers at 9, and there are sessions during the day. If you want to be a part of that, I uh, want you um, to register. You can go right on our Facebook page and look for the flyer of our meeting and the link for the registration is there. And registration is free. Uh, evening worship uh, is hybrid. We'll be in the building, of course. Uh, even in the midst of COVID, we're allowing a certain amount of people. Uh, those of you who are not able to make it to the temple, you can watch us and participate in worship along with us. I want the Lord to bless you. Uh, and our theme is follow me as I follow Christ. We are continuing in the year of discipleship. Gotta let you go, I've held you too long. I wanna thank you for your patience. 
for all of your cooperation, your love, and your support. Until next week, you know what we always say, be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.